this is Heather Bonham, and you're listening to the Midlife Best Podcast, and this is episode 065. Today on episode 65, we're going to talk about choosing where you get your feedback. And before we get started, I want to remind you, you can always email me at heather at midlifebest.com. So episode 65, first of all, happy Independence Day. As I record this, it's the morning of July 4th. I usually put out my podcasts on Wednesday night, but I'm doing it on Thursday morning because I've been getting ready to do some traveling and uh, I love that I have time to spend with family and uh, it, you know, I'm really looking forward to some of the things that I have planned this summer. And one of the things includes a writing conference, and I'm so excited about that. So I was thinking about feedback, and I was thinking about how we improve ourselves, whether it's in business or, or creative pursuits. Um, and this episode, it might be, I'm not sure how long this episode's really going to end up to be, because a lot of it's just off the top of my head, but it might be a little bit of a different thought for some of you, because I I never sat down and considered in different career paths that I've taken in different jobs. I never sat down and considered who's going to be evaluating me and how will they be evaluating me? And most jobs that I had when I was younger, I got evaluated by a boss and that boss evaluated me based on, did I show up for work and did I do my job? And if the answer to those things were yes, then, you know, I was fine. And then I started teaching, and they use a completely different evaluation system. It's called the Danielson Rubric, and it was really written to not be what it is. It was written by a woman who was a teacher. Um, Maybe she still is. I don't know. But it was for self-reflection. But then somehow it turned into this thing that most school districts use to evaluate their teachers. Now, it has a lot of good points, but it's in my opinion, far better for a self-reflection tool than how it's used today. But it has a lot of different components, like everything from, uh, you know, is the lesson thorough and, and timed well, to do the students interact with each other, to things like, does the teacher take uh, classes or training to improve his or her own practice? What uh, Does the teacher keep good records? Uh, how does the teacher communicate with parents? So a lot of different things. And this is pages and pages and pages. It's really a book of information with all these different criteria and levels and all these different things. So that's how I get evaluated as a teacher. And it's usually by um, various administrators, not just the person who hired me. So when you go to get hired for a job, you know, they're interviewing you and they're evaluating whether they want you, but you're also evaluating whether you want to work for them. And is this someone you want to evaluate you? Is this someone you want to be judging your performance? But the thing is, the person who hires you is often not the person who's doing those evaluations. And that's definitely the case with teaching. So sometimes it's an assistant principal. Sometimes it's um, an evaluator from the district who comes in, someone you've never met before. Um, and so it's, it's not really within your control who does the evaluation, but at least you do know what you're going to be evaluated on. So 
it is still subjective. I think everything is. And as much as they say it's objective and low inference, I think teaching evaluations are still very subjective because everyone um, interprets that rubric a little bit differently and, and that evaluation system. Now, that's the job that I'm in now, but I'm also a writer. I'm starting a copywriting career. And so now I have people who will be evaluating me such as clients, such as readers. And that's different because of course I want feedback, but then no one wants criticism. And I can choose not to be criticized by not putting any work out there, but that's, that's not a good plan because then I'll never publish and I'll just be afraid. And, and you know, that little uh, song we sang when we were little, this little light of mine, um, you know, I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. Well, you can't hide your light. You can't hide your talents and your skills, but you can choose to some extent who gets to see that work and who gets to evaluate you. But based on what your ultimate goals are, you're going to have to put yourself out there in this world. And that's hard and that's scary. Um, but I was listening to Dan Miller's 48 Days podcast. As many of you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of Dan, and I've listened to his podcast for years, and that's really a highlight um, for me to get to, to listen to his weekly podcast. And he had someone on there who said, who wrote into his show and said, well, I'm an artist, but I don't want to put my name on my work. And he said, look, you have to, you have to, you need to put your name on your work. That's, that's how it is. You're going to be evaluated, but you're also going to be able to build relationships with potential customers, clients, people who appreciate your work. And I think certainly uh, as a person who has any type of a business, a side business or a full-time business, even a bricks and mortar business, you know, to some level, you do get to choose your customers. At least you get to choose what area you do business in. And that's a, I mean, a physical location. So if I had a business I could choose what town, what location I wanted to work in. And if I have an online business, I can choose where to advertise, where to publish those books. There are people who publish only on Amazon Kindle. There are people who publish and they sell their books in bookstores. There are some people who write books and they only sell them privately and they really control their customer base. So now they're getting feedback, but that feedback is actually pretty limited an example of that is a copywriting expert named Ben Settle. Now, Ben has multiple books available on Amazon online, but he also has things that he only sells, books that he only sells about copywriting, about advertising. He only sells to his mailing list, and he has a carefully curated mailing list. He sells books that are paper books, actual books, but he sells them for hundreds of dollars because they're kind of training manuals from what I understand. I haven't bought these books, but apparently they're very successful for him. Um, but he doesn't sell his premier kind of, of advertising writing books. He does not sell some of those online or in a PDF format. You have to get the book and you have to get it from him and he can charge whatever he wants because he knows who those customers are and he knows who's going to be evaluating him. And these are people who want to learn from him and want to hear from him. 
And so it's interesting um, how you choose to sell whatever it is you create or whatever your service is dictates prices, but it also dictates what kind of feedback you'll be getting because you know your audience or you know your customers. Now, it's again, this is it's going to be very different for different types of jobs that you have or different types of businesses that you want to run. But I think what I'm what I want to focus on today and the message that I really wanted to send was that you do have some control over that based on the decisions that you make either going into a job, going into a career, or going into business for yourself. I did an experiment last week or two weeks ago um, with Upwork. I had heard Ray Edwards talk about, and he had a podcast interview about writers who get work on Upwork. And Upwork, if you don't know, it's a website and an app, and you can hire people for all kinds of different online projects. You might need somebody to design a website for you. You might need someone to write menus and recipes, and you might need someone to um, help you plan a trip. You can hire people on this site to do things like that basically internet-based or email-based projects. But you can also work on this website. And so as a writer, I wanted to start developing a little bit of an online profile. And I thought, well, let me try this. So I had used Upwork for hiring people before to do some projects for me. And I thought, let me try to work on Upwork. And so I, I did that. And it was actually very interesting. So what I found out was I got a a very basic entry-level job that should have only taken a few hours, but it took a lot more than that. And it was very minimal. It was, I got paid $10 and Upwork keeps a couple dollars of that. So, you know, it was was an $8 thing and I ended up probably making a dollar an hour, but I did it for the experience and for the learning and to start building an online profile there because that was just something that I thought, hey, this would be another way to build my writing business. And I explore different options and then I see what works and I see what doesn't. But the interesting thing was, yeah, I got feedback. I got writing feedback from a stranger and it really, you know, it gave me insight. So when you choose to accept a job like that, you have to really know what you're getting into. You have to be very aware of what that client wants and what they're going to expect in terms of revisions and what they consider correct versus what you might consider correct. And it was just really eye-opening. So I ended up having to make some revisions and it was um, an article for someone's website about solar power. They have a website about solar power and I was to find certain products on Amazon that ran on solar and, you know, without going into a bunch of detail here, it was a time consuming project. And yet I did learn a lot. And I really learned a lot about working with clients who I don't know, who are expecting me to write in a certain way. And it's, it has nothing to do with the type of writing that I normally do, but it was still really good practice. And I'll probably do it again when we get done with some of the travel this summer. And, uh, Hey, you know, any little thing that it gives you more experience and more practice in your field is always a good thing. So 
I chose that client because they chose me for the job, but I could have said, no, I don't want that job. But when you choose, then you are choosing what kind of feedback and who is giving you feedback. Now, with friends, with family, you know, you're choosing to get feedback. It was interesting because we were watching a reality show, my daughters and I, yesterday. And so there was a girl on the show who asked another contestant for feedback. She said, oh, I don't want this decision that I have to make and I'm trying to figure this thing out. And so the other contestant gave her his opinion. He said exactly what he thought she should do. And she got mad and she went to, now, you know, reality, quote, reality TV, um, reality or not reality, but so it, you know, then the camera shows her later on going to other contestants and saying, I'm not, he's not running my game. Why is he telling me what to do? I'm, I'm going to run my game the way I want to and not, it's not his choice to make and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, girl, you asked for his opinion. So family, friends, or people that you're stuck on a reality show with, if you ask for someone's opinion, they, they should give it to you, but then you're choosing your feedback. You can take it or leave it. As my mother-in-law used to say, consider the source. If someone gives you advice, solicited or unsolicited advice, consider the source. Are they a person who you want to get feedback from? So now not just in the workplace, not just in business, but in life in general. Give feedback from where you want to get that feedback. And I know, I, I remember a story about um, Cliff Ravenscraft was talking about when he had a, min- a ministry job. And that's another podcast, by the way, that I, I love, anything by Cliff Ravenscraft. But he told a story about having a ministry position And they felt that his podcasting was years and years ago when he started out, that his podcasting was taking up essentially too much of his time and focus. And he thought he was going to quit podcasting and realized that really the, the, that particular church job was what he needed to quit. And he did so. And in doing so really expanded his ministry in a completely and entirely unique way but chose his audience and chose who, what niche he wanted to go into. And then um, by doing that, by choosing his path, he chose where he would be getting his feedback and how he would grow as a person. Because again, as, as a teacher, why do we give feedback to the kids? Well, we, we should be giving feedback for the most part to help them, to help them grow, to help them improve. And that's the same reason we should be seeking feedback. And even if we don't want that feedback, and believe me, sometimes as a teacher, I'm like, I don't want another observation evaluation. Like, I don't right now. I'm not in the mood. (laughs) But the truth is, it is helpful. And then there are times, and it could be teaching, it could be a regular job, or it could be a, a book you've written, or something you've painted, or a piece of music that you've created, or you're an auto mechanic and you, you know, have a customer who gives you feedback. There are times in any situation where you think that feedback really is wrong. You feel like it's nonsense. And you know what? That's true. But as you at least think through that feedback, say someone gave you a bad review and 
you clearly can tell that person didn't even read your book or they read like 10 pages of your 200 page book and you know their feedback is nonsense because it doesn't make sense. So you look at it and you evaluate, well, is there anything, what can I learn from this? Is there anything accurate at all? What can I learn? What can I get from this? And then at some point you may say, well, a little, but for the most part, it just, it's inaccurate and completely wrong. All right. So you don't need to change your book based on that, but do you need to change your marketing? Do you need to change the description of the book? Maybe they thought that they were getting something and they got something entirely different and it didn't match up to what they expected. Maybe you should market to a little different target audience so that your feedback becomes feedback that's more valuable to you and more accurate to what you want. But still that process, that thinking process, that's where the value really comes in. So you're choosing how to use that evaluative feedback. And I hope that makes sense. You're choosing, if you have a restaurant and someone leaves a a Yelp review, My daughter made a comment because we had a bad experience at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago. And she said, yeah, I'm looking at these Yelp reviews that other people left and they're awful. Now, the thing is, we had been to this restaurant a year ago and it was really good. We had excellent service. It was just great. Went back a year later and it was awful. But she, so she pulls out her phone at the table and she looks at those reviews and she's like, yeah, businesses live and die by these Yelp reviews. If you have a restaurant you better be looking at those reviews. And yeah, there might be one or two that are completely off base and they're nonsense. But if you start seeing the same things over and over again, that's invaluable. That's honestly, that's feedback that you couldn't pay to get such good, accurate feedback about your restaurant or your business. Heed that. Listen to what people are saying. And maybe you are targeting the wrong audience, or maybe you are making a huge mistake that's going to take your business down and you need to know that. Um, and you know, and it was unfortunate that we had a bad experience at that restaurant because, and she said, well, I'm going to write a review. Now I'm always thinking, be nice, be nice. (laughs) But, but, um, and yes, we definitely did give a tip still but not a high tip, not an extra tip because it just was kind of a disaster. Um, but the, the management should absolutely be looking at that and absolutely be heeding what people are saying. So you are always in some way able to choose your clientele or the people who are giving you feedback. You're also able to choose how you respond to that feedback and what you do with it. Um, So I don't like having my writing criticized. I'll be very honest. I really sympathized with the artist who called in or, or, you know, wrote into Dan Miller's show last week who said, I don't want to put my name on my art. Um, Yes, of course there are reasons for that. I get it. There are reasons why people use pen names and, you know, um, the students in our, I don't teach English, but the students in our school, they, the seventh graders were reading the outsiders and the outsiders, a a lot of you probably read the outsiders in, in junior high or high school, you know, really good book. 
But The Outsiders was a book that was written, I think, back in... Oh, let me look. Let me look that up really quick. Um, when was The Outsiders written? Now I'm looking it up on my phone while I'm while I am um, recording. The Outsiders by S. E. Hinton, 1967. So yeah, here. So here, this is what I was gonna say. So S. E. Hinton, her name is, I believe, Susan. But S. E. When she wrote this book, she was a teenager. She started the book when she was in high school and. She finished it and then published it, I believe, when she was 18. Yeah, that's what it says here. So she's writing this book, and a young teenage girl writing this book, it had a lot to do with kind of fighting between different factions in a high school. And really, actually, it's a good book and good movie if you haven't read it or seen the movie. But anyway, she chose a pen name that didn't divulge whether she was female or male, um, in order to kind of be taken seriously. And I could definitely see in the sixties that a really young female writer, you know, that might've have made a big difference if she was Susie versus S E. And I think that is interesting. So she wasn't hiding who she was necessarily, but she also was keeping some privacy and some mystery about her name. Um, but, but once that book is out there, it went crazy in her case, became a huge hit. But, you know, once that's out there, you have to put yourself out there. And I, so I do understand the artists who didn't want to, but I am putting myself out there as a writer and I will choose my clients for my copywriting business based on who I want to work with and based on the topics that I want to write copy for. And so I've been pretty specific in the last couple months or pretty intentional about figuring that out and what's my niche and who will I work with because the truth is that you can't be good at everything but by choosing your clients or choosing your bosses or choosing the workplace environments that you want to work in you are choosing your feedback and that feedback will be used over time to improve yourself and to make yourself more successful so choose wisely and choose well because feedback is hard and criticism is hard, but we all need it in order to get better. And the only way to improve is to, to keep going back and revisiting what we're doing, what we're doing well and what we're not doing well, and then make those minor adjustments, those course corrections over time. Um, just like they always say about you know a big sailing ship, that it makes lots and lots and lots of little corrections in order to get to its destination. And that's what we do also. So with that, I will wrap up today's Independence Day 2019 episode, also known as episode 65. But I wish you a wonderful week. I hope that you get to take a little time with family and friends or even with yourself to reflect. We're over halfway through the year at this point, and it's always a good time to just sit back and think, all right, how were the last six months? What were some wins and some successes? And give yourself some evaluation and some feedback um, so that you can move into the rest of the year successfully and well. And with that, I will talk to you again soon.